named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agents Podcast. My name is Mark Oral and I'm joined by Mr. Sam Hunter. Sam, we will not be talking cricket this morning, but how are you, my friend? I might have to take a vow of silence uh, if we're, we're not going to talk about cricket. Uh, because first tell you game. what, uh, first test, yeah, yeah, out of five, one nil up. Mate, did you, I don't know if you read any of the the dribble, if you want to call it that, that came out uh, from the media. But when you say like a guy who averages twenty eight, cover drive off the first ball is your favourite moment in cricket. You're absolutely delusional. And when you say that it feels like you've won when you lost, you're absolutely delusional. <laughs> and I for one cannot wait for the Green Monster at Lords, uh, because we're going to tear it up and we'll be 2 up by Saturday morning. That was the worst. Anyway, we're not talking about the, That was the uh, worst power of silence I've ever, I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, aside from that, I'm um, very, very well. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting week. I feel like this was uh, a week where I didn't get to do everything that I wanted to do, uh, but there's nobody else in the world that you can blame for that except yourself. Uh, so today... Tuesday, yeah. This, this Monday and Tuesday have already been better days. Uh, so it's a bit like having this conversation uh, with a friend of the show this morning, actually. Um, you know, the harder you set back, the better you come back at the end of the day. Um, and the earlier you can recognize it and you can get back to those activities that keep you where you want to be, the better it is. Um, and actually, we're, we're recording this after we finished up with today's guest. And um, one of the things that he talks about is, is keeping a gratitude journal every morning. Um, just to keep him on track regardless of what happens in the day. And that's actually something that I used to do and, and lost track of um, and have made a personal note for myself to start picking that up again because you can have a shit week, but there's still plenty of awesome stuff going on in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I feel like at the moment I've got like various routines that are proving successful for me. So rinsing and repeating them week after week. Um, you know, it means that the news last week with the interest rates, mm. It's what it is. Can't control it. Deal with it. You know, speak to people about it. Be open. Be honest. And I think that's all all you can do in the in the market at the moment. And as to not to jump into an outro here, but as today's guest talks about those um, actions and behaviours, you know, you keep doing those regular. You get you get the results. And I feel at the moment like I'm you know rinsing and repeating a number of key tasks, and that's working pretty well for us. And you know, don't my message to listeners will be don't be thrown off when the news comes out like it did on Thursday about interest rates, keep doing those actions and behaviors and you'll get the results that you want to. Yeah. Same thing again. Um, same conversation that I was having this morning. Uh, we were talking about what do you do? And I just sort of said, you've got to make it really real. So when mm-hmm. somebody sees a headline, you know, uh, UK bank uh, raises interest rates by 0.5% to combat high inflation, everyone's doomed, yada, yada, yada. There's... It's like going from naught to 100. You push back in your seat. You're thinking to yourself, shit, mm. I'm, at, I'm not in control. What's going on here? Whereas the reality is people need to understand what that actually means for them. So, and, and this is where mortgage brokers have got a really big role to play because they can actually run the numbers and give this advice. The state agents can just start these conversations and be mm. the guy or girl to push them in the right direction. 
it's you would have seen interest rates went up last week. Those headlines are pretty sensationalist. What does that actually mean for you? And if mm. you don't know, you should find out because it's not as bad as you think. It's worse mm. than you think. And until you know that, it's always going to be worst case scenario. And that's a really easy phone call to make. And that's super different to what a lot of agents are doing if they are picking up the phone at all. But most of them are probably just sitting back going, we're doomed. <laughs> Market's you know, going to collapse on itself. No one's going to be buying houses. Let's cancel everything. You know, Hibernation mode. Instead of just asking questions and listening to the answers, there's still going to be plenty of people who need to buy and sell houses. You know, Coming back to we started this year with a podcast and we said someone in your marketplace is going to miss their goals this year. It doesn't have to be you. Mm. And it's conversations around these events, these sort of milestone events that determine whether it's going to be you or not. Yeah. Absolutely. And that positive mindset, keep going on that. We're, on that note, we've got a meeting just after this um, about half year goals. It's a great, it's a great time of the year to stop and reflect um, on that. But having said all of that, shall we dive in and introduce today's guest, Sam? Yeah, let's do it. Today's guest is well known amongst industry circles and his agency is well known across their local market too. He's coming up to 20 years in a state agency and nearly 14 of them as a business owner. He's part of a breed of modern agents that embrace collaboration, technology, coaching uh, in combination with old school proven estate agency strategies and tactics. Um, he's not just not just for winning new business where it matters, but he's getting great results for his clients as well. In fact, when you jump on their website, the first thing that you read uh, is that his agents are memorable for the right reasons. We're going to unpack that a little bit more later on, I hope. Uh, from Junior Neg back in 2004 to business owner and leader in 2023, Matt Nickel from Nickel & Co. Welcome to the World Class Agency podcast. Thank you for having me on. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, uh, Matt. We had a quick chat off air. You, so you know what is coming first of all, and it's what does World Class Estate Agency look like to Matt Nickel in 2023? Well, uh Sam kind of took the words out of my mouth on this one a little bit, but I think I think what we've got to do is obviously move people forward with their lives. And for me, it is being memorable for the right reasons. That's that's really the vision for me with the company, um, that it's obviously a stressful period for a lot of people for many reasons. It's an exciting period for a lot of people for many reasons as well. And we've got an important part to play as agents. So it's um, it's moving them forward with whatever challenge they've got, but also making sure that we're memorable for the right reasons and they go away thinking do you know what they did us proud i'd go back to them again and i'll recommend to others are you happy to maybe unpack a little bit deeper of what that being memorable for the right reasons look like so if i'm you know sam and mark have rocked up to nickel and co for their first day on the job and we read that on the website and it's in an induction pack or whatever it is and i've i've said matt what does that really mean yeah what do you tell them yeah no definitely um i think for me it's a weird thing but when i'm onboarding people because i always onboard the starters um I spend kind of three or four hours with them and I've um, we've got our blueprint, Nickel & Co blueprint, and that's been kind of built on the uh, Gina Wickman traction book. Um, and the memorable for the right reasons is just the way that I've always approached the state agency. So um, I guess everyone kind of is used to performing for KPIs and bits and pieces, but I actually say in the onboarding, look, those numbers will happen. If you do everything to the best of your ability and you're getting recommended by others to many, many more people, then the sales will follow. If you're giving good, honest advice, the vendors will listen to you if they know that you're not doing it just to get a sale you're doing it to help them again those things will happen so um i think when you approach it with that not holistic view but that kind of that view is the most important part then the numbers follow and um 
you talk about kind of community, the kind of the accolade, all that kind of response that we've had back from our businesses is not necessarily because we've sold the most. That's not the thing for me. It's not about having the most boards. Mm. It's about doing the most that we can in our area. And um, and I think we're doing that regularly. So are you talking about then, so as if people are joining your team, you're sort of talking about actions and behaviours first with results following. The KPIs come next if you do, if you you know, have the right behaviors and take the right actions. And assuming the answer to that is yes, how do you train people in that line of thinking, particularly if they've come from another agency where KPIs, KPIs, KPIs? This is this has been eye-opening for us because we've just had a manager come to us from the corporate world and just even the morning meetings, they've just said it's just a breath of fresh air because it is all hammered by numbers and we're we're talking about what the day looks like, what appointments we've got we're going out to. Um, we talk about in the onboarding process, what our kind of our values are, what we expect from our staff, because our values are kind of our internal kind of recruitment policy. And they're also our kind of external, how we should be for our clients. Um, and, and I think that's been a very important part of the onboarding process because we, we kind of say to people and I get to say it because I don't do the interview process, but I get to say, you've probably been recruited because of these things. This is kind of why we got you in. Um, and it's, always with a one-to-one there'll be an element of kpis and they do get sent out and shared and we do monthly leagues and bits and pieces but the kind of the the uh, one-to-one process is what's working well um what went wrong you know even better if it's it's that kind of open conversation as opposed to death by slides and death by numbers so um it 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 makes for a better environment of course we want to perform of course i, I need to make sure that the guys are driving the business out and we always develop the staff that need a bit of help with their phone calls, we'll do role plays um, every single week. The staff will have a role play session with their manager. Um, we we'll do call reviews, all the standard things. But if we're just working a little bit on those bits and pieces, then do you know what? The numbers should start to come through anyway. Um, and so so that's why I think it's a, it's a good environment to work. And I'm, I'm sure no one ever comes out of a one-to-one frustrated that they haven't been listened to in terms of actually where they're at in life as opposed to being hammered by, by someone about the figures that they've produced or not produced. And that in itself just encourages loyalty and performance, right? Um, and and I guess comfort in their role. It's good to have a level of discomfort about what you want to do and how you want to perform, but knowing that you've got people who are on your side through tricky times um, is, is hugely important as well. We've we've had a few people on the show this year particularly talk values in their business and how important they are. Like you said, they drive the recruitment strategy. You reinforce them with your team. Uh, I'm interested that you said something there that uh, the values are who you look for in your business, but it's also how you want to act with your clients. Do you share your values with your potential clients? Yeah, slightly further down my website. I think it's one of those things with websites. You don't know how far down people actually scroll <laughs> yeah. before they see these things, but but no, we we do. Um, yeah, and, and there was a period of time when at the beginning when it was kind of back in 2020 when we'd kind of gone through the process of getting our blueprint together that we kind of, we almost hashtagged them on everything, but um, it's it's probably not as visible or as, as kind of obvious for some people now, but um, we're energetic, we're likable, we're dedicated, we're influential and we're successful. Um, and, and that's kind of when you do start to kind of say that to a member of staff that's just joined, they've had uh, a meeting with my personnel manager first, who's given him a goodie bag with all the books and the branded stuff and those bits and pieces. It's just, it started off in a, in a positive manner. And then I say, mm. this is why we've employed you. This is what you're going to do now for your clients. And when they phone up and they've got a problem, you can't be down in the dumps on the phone to them. You've got to hit them back with, look, we can get this change. We can, the energy comes back and, and, and you can see the pennies kind of drop in. Um, 
and you know they're with me for three or four hours on on their onboarding day and, and hopefully by the time they come out of it they they feel a bit charged up for i made the right decision that's the company i wanted to work for and i'm pleased i'm here so um yeah it seems to work yeah yeah good positive energy is so important and um, i want to talk about interest rates um Almost kind of don't really want to talk about it, but yeah, we, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We've kind of got to talk about it at the moment because they're on everyone's mind. We had that uh, increase last week. How do you coach your team to handle sort of maybe the swings in momentum that is caused by an interest rate change with both buyers and sellers? And what sort of conversations and role plays have you been doing in those one to ones at the moment to enable them to bring that energy and positivity, perhaps in those conversations? Yeah, well, um, I'm in a process at the moment of recording a video every single morning on Loom and sending it into the team. So I record it really early before I go to the gym and I set it on time delay to send out at 8 a.m. So every day there's a tip that's coming to the team and they watch in their morning meeting and they kind of openly discuss it. And um, that's really helped. I've, I've, I've said with this recent change with the interest rate increase by half a percent that it's no point in us just going out there and saying it's all good. You know, mm. life moves on, everyone's fine because this is going to be a pain point for a lot of people that are kind of coming back to the end of their um, nice interest rate to, to what's now happening. So I've kind of explained that you've got to show a bit of empathy and almost kind of come to them with some, some right decisions. Now, I think we're all probably of the same opinion that these kind of interest rates are probably going to hang around now for some time. So it's, it's now the conversation with the client of, if not now, then when are you going to be happy staying in that house for another two years as your child grows bigger and, you're still too far away to get to work on time and all those bits and pieces. Um, and I'm kind of getting them to kind of come at it from where the person is and, and almost kind of get under the skin of the person a little bit. What's the driver? Why do you need to do it? Is there something you can do? Go interest only for a period of time, extend out the term. I remember as a first time buyer buying a shared ownership originally that I extended my term out as long as I could just to keep it affordable. And it's like, I've got staff who haven't bought a house yet. So you've got to kind of take them through that kind of, um, that journey of what I would have done in that process. And yeah. also what some of us will have to do this time around, because we're on a 1.45, we're now coming in at 5.54. Like that's, that's a, that's a hefty challenge for a lot of people. Um, the role plays, we just sent them basically a, a kind of a whole new list. Um, we've had buyers that were kind of here last week saying, I'm not going to put my offer forward yet because I want to see what happens with interest rates first. But I think we all knew that they weren't going to go down. Um, mm -hmm. They might have held, but with the, the lenders kind of pulling the rates in the weeks leading up to it, I think we were all pretty advised that it was going to happen. And um, I suspect that probably those early role plays of why would you delay now when you could be coming back and buying at a higher interest rate? You want to try and fix that mortgage as quick as you possibly can. Um, we had a bit of a deluge of buyers actually probably in the last two weeks. It's gone slightly quieter, I think, off the back of Thursday. Not awful, but it's gone slightly quieter now. But um, I think the dust will settle, the rates will kind of settle again, and you yeah. know the, the confidence in the market will be there. Um, you said something, well, there was a couple of things there that I think are really useful to double down on. Firstly, the Loom video in the morning. Um, we spoke before we hit record of uh, one piece of advice that you can give everybody listening to this that they can do like immediately that doesn't cost them any money. For anyone who's listening, that's that's the piece of advice. There's probably going to be more to come, but that is something that you can do to communicate with your team at scale genuinely because it's video. They can see you. They can hear you. They can understand the passion, the tonality, you know, the caution perhaps in your voice. Um, first question on that is, one, when did you start doing that? Uh, two, did you do you get a lot of responses from your team? Like, does it give you an opportunity then to engage further with the the really important people in your business and give them more opportunity to grow and learn and then thirdly where do you get 
your topic of conversation every morning. Cause mm -hmm. I think a lot of people will hear this and go, geez, that's a lot of pressure. I'm going to do it three times and then I'll stop. So make it easy yeah. for them, Matt. So, um, I've done it for 40 days so far. Um, I don't do it when I'm on holiday. I can't do it. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to put myself into that position where I, I can't necessarily deliver it. So if they, if they see I'm off, then it may be that it doesn't get, sometimes I'll surprise them and I will send it. Um, the reason I did it was I think with a tougher market and when kind of tougher times come, like when COVID came and stuff like that, I feel like as a leader, you've got to step up a bit. And so that's why I kind of bought it about. And we've got some amazing staff. They work very, very hard, but some of them haven't worked in this different market. So mm. I think it's important to kind of skill them up. And it can be from anything like I've been in an office the day before and I've spotted that people have clumped come in and no one stood up to greet them. That could be just a little marker in my mind. It's just a quick one. And I don't do it in such a way that someone feels, oh, well, Matt was with us yesterday. So he spotted that I've not done something. I kind of almost delay it for a few days and then just bring it to the table. Um, I also openly ask the staff, but, you know, I ask them if there's anything that they need help with. When our managers meetings, I've had some great engagement actually from the staff point of view, because when I've sent that out and I've sent, look, if you've got anything that you need help with, it will be anonymous. Just send it back to me on an email and I'll give you some some tips on it. Um, I've had managers meetings where they've kind of said, we've got this little niggling problem at the moment. Um, it would be a good one to cover off. And there's things like values holding their nerve on values and stuff like that. And hmm. the positive impact of that is I, had, I sent one out, which was all about, you know, at the moment, it's not flattering to have as many boards as possible. It's about having the right vendors, the right stock, the right kind of clients that we're working with. Um, and a valuer went out to evaluation, had valued it at a higher price back in, you know, pre-trust days, which was um, when the market was a little bit rosier. They said, well, we want to go on the market, we want to go on at that figure. And she she held her nerve. She went, do you know what? I'm sorry, but we can't go on at that figure because we've gone 10 grand too high. We're not going to get the interest. And then when we drop it by 10 grand, we still won't get the interest. So mm -hmm. she held a nerve and it came to the market at the right money. And her manager messaged me to say, if that hadn't landed that morning, that would have been another one that would have come on for a bit too much. We'd have to work it down in five weeks time. Yeah. And it was important, the timing of it all. So, so yeah, I think, um, I think if I can say it to anyone that's out there doing it, just, just get yourself into a little routine. There are mornings when I wake up and I haven't got a thing to talk about. So it might be a bit about my morning routine. It might be that I'm getting up 15 minutes earlier to go for a walk. It might be that I'm going out at lunchtime and having 10 minutes walk time. It could be anything like that. Um, there was the Agents Together recent podcast that was filmed and I and I mentioned that in my thing and then I actually shared the link for that. And that worked out really nice because one of my members of staff took from that that actually she wanted a bit of help and she's now got a mentor herself. So like there's so many kind of little bits and glimmers and this isn't just frontline staff that's seen it. It's everyone in the team. So um, our hub where they're kind of operations and admin and all those bits and pieces, they're also taking things from it about what the market's doing because they like anyone, they'll go to a barbecue, someone will hear that they work for Nickel and the Co and they'll go, how's the market? And they can almost like deliver a response like a sales neg would or a lettings manager would or whatever, because they kind of like every day they're hearing a little bit about what's going on. So mm. um, it's good. It's um, and, and I think it is one of those things you've got to get into a routine with it. Um, but I feel like it's 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 a nice little routine now as well. And um, there's another thing I'm doing at the moment as well, which is probably more for my mental headspace than anything. But I'm writing a little gratitude list every day. So I'm just writing three things on my phone every single morning. Just think three things I'm grateful for. And my kind of morning routine at the moment is I get up mega early, which I enjoy. Come down, get the coffee on, sit down, put the phone up, ready to do the recording, write my three gratitudes and then I film. And then that's my kind of. I, I mean, I'm bleary eyed. I'm still tired. I've had a shower, but like, I'm still, I still look knackered at five o'clock in the morning. But um, I think, I think the staff are probably going, yeah, he's, he's, he's on it. 
and in a tougher market, you need to be on it. I, I think it is that uh, leadership by example, right? So you're letting your actions dictate more than anything else. Um, and that's hugely important when you want people to come along that journey with you. The other point that I wanted to follow up on was uh, you said something along the lines of uh, your people are dedicated, influential, and successful. Um, and that, I think that's a really good order in which to, to put them in. Um, and then you spoke about your people having the confidence to ask influential questions. So they're not there just to be uh, a potential vendor or a current vendor or a buyer's best friend. They're there to get a job done effectively and give them the advice that maybe they don't want to hear, such as the example of uh, the young lady in your office who held her nerve and got the property on at the right price. Um, can you can you give us an example uh, of what you would consider to be a, a couple of influential questions just for everybody they can take that away and they can sit in their morning meetings this morning or whenever they're listening to this and go, guys, this is some questions we've got to start asking people on our register or coming to it. Yeah, I mean, if you um, if you want a bit of help with this, I've been listening to a chap called Phil Jones. He's English, but he's actually over yeah. in America. Um, so you've heard of him as well. He's exactly got the exact what to say. Table. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think you've just got to make sure when you're aligning someone that you are being honest, you, um, you're, you're trying to kind of ask those questions that you're kind of saying you're probably like me. You want to get as much as possible. You're mm. probably a bit confused by the market at the moment because an agent's come out and said your house is worth 25 grand more than me. But let me show you kind of really what's going on with their, their listing. So you've got the benefit with right move. You can see how long they take to sell their homes and bits of pieces. You can give them a bit of facts based there. Um, and then there's also if it were me. I think when people kind of hear you say that, and they might not listen to you there and then, but it will probably just be enough for the penny to drop. And they might go away and think a little bit harder. And you're not doing it. I mean, you've got to be coming from the right place. You've obviously got to have been working in their favor all the way through. You can't have put them on and then a week later be going for a price reduction. Um, you've got to almost like weekly be leading them up to the point that, do you know what? I'm disappointed. I thought your house was worth 400 grand, but it's not taken in the market. If it were me, I wouldn't wait another three weeks. I don't mm. think things are going to get better in three weeks time. We're going to hit some holidays. If it were me, I'd probably look at make, making a price change now. Let's have another review of what's on the market right now, what we're competing with, and let's try and get ourselves at the right level now to compete against them. And look, hands up, I thought your house was worth this, and I I do still feel it's worth this, but we might have to go the other way. We might have to go offers over and come up to a competitive bidding situation rather than that price you asked us to try. Um, and I think I actually today today's message to the staff was to go back over. We did a three training sessions on the Phil Jones exactly what to say book um and it was we listened to the audio book together in a group at the end of each of the sessions because you kind of got I can't remember how many sections it was but it's quite quick to get through at the end of each section we'd have like a 15 minute role play amongst us all I'll go like mm. right which which one resonated with you which was the best couple of lines and can we put it into context now um and it was ace just to hear the staff almost like just chirping back and forth on a zoom with each other just going through it um and my my message for today was that was probably about four months ago, five months ago. The market's still kind of similar to what we were experiencing back then. And I do feel that it's worth having a review. So I've asked them this morning to go back through their notes and have a little session in their morning meeting, just going back over some of the questioning um, and, and the, the lines to, to remind themselves of what they were using and the successes they've had from them. Fabulous. And I think when you start getting that uh, interaction between the staff it's then really rewarding for, for you but also you can see the impact that it can have on your business and how it can spread out to their to their clients or to your clients um yeah I, to... I kind of hear it as, I, as, as i've been walking through the office i've i've noticed them having the conversations and i'm always like high five like air high five and <laughs> like going yeah, thumbs up thumbs up that's amazing but um yeah it's it's nice and there's there's even openers there's a there's a staff member 
when she joined instantly, she came from um, automotive industry, but when she rang people, she'd say, how are you? They'd say, um, I'm good. How are you? And she'd go, oh, thanks for asking. I'm, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. And that thanks for asking bit, I think I said it out loud. Actually came off the phone. I said, that's brilliantly put like actually that thanking them for asking that question. And it got through the team. And now I kind of hear it amongst all the staff. They're all kind of like, thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, it's good. It's, it, it, it spreads well. I think, um, I think they are all learning from each other and, and positively learning from each other as well. I think it's, I think it's good for the team. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk about the big Worcestershire garage, garage sale. I think it was last week it was in the press, possibly the, the, the week before. Phenomenal idea. I read it and thought, yeah, every every credit. Can you talk us through where that idea came from, what it's all about and how it went from both the community side of things and also what it's done for the business? Yeah, so um, it took place on the 10th of June. So we picked a date in the diary. I think I started the premise behind it probably about 14 weeks, maybe, yeah, maybe four months before. Um, and the reason it came about is I've, I don't know if you saw, but I went over to Las Vegas earlier this year. I've I've taken to having a, a coach from the Tom Ferry um, coaching group. Um, so I've got uh, a lady called Sandra um, and she's my coach. We check in every Monday and she holds me accountable and we go through a lot of kind of challenges in the business and bits and pieces. And I was kind of talking about how I would like to do something because we are kind of rooted in the community. We, I wanted to come up with something that would be slightly different, something that everyone would kind of be able to get in, engaged with and would have a positive impact for a number of reasons, obviously. The stress you have when your house is a mess is one thing. Financially, people are probably feeling the pinch still. So they're probably wanting to make a few quid and they've got a lot of stuff sitting around in their home. Um, and actually, from, from a company profile point of view, we have a good reach. So while someone might do a garage sale, and there are villages in Worcestershire that do garage sales regularly, I wanted to do it on a scale at which everyone would kind of get behind it and support it. So that's the way it kind of came about. I must admit, I I, I didn't have many of the answers. So... I turned turned to the team and said, "Look, this is this is what we got coming. Um, I know you'll all back me on it. I need you to just do a few things. So if someone puts their hand up and says their street wants to take part, can you go up and down their street and make sure everyone else knows that they are taking part? We've obviously got mm -hmm. the signs ordered. Uh, we put up on the big LED display that we advertise on. There's quite a few bits and pieces we did just to try and build up the interest in it. Um, and yeah, I'm 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 so pleased it happened. It was a lot of work." Um, but on the day, I think there's probably about 100 different people selling things on their kind of yards, front lawns, um, driveways. Um, it took place in close to 45 roads. Um, some had better visibility than others. They're just geographically better, better, vis better visibility. So um, I've took a lot of kind of learnings from it in terms of what I think we would do differently next time. Um, and I, I kind of got away with saying it's it's been the pilot, but it was a hugely successful pilot. But I kind of know how I can scale it up again next year. Uh, mm. the, the tricky bit is we called it the big Worcestershire garage sale. We've got offices in three locations in George, Worcester and Malvern. And um, there was areas that, that aren't our patch that kind of came to us. So do you know what? I kind of throw it out there, especially on this podcast is a good platform for it, but we could almost all combined organize it. So actually everyone's doing it in their own area. Mm. Um, and whatever your patches, you call it the big, wherever it is, garage sale and a couple of agents did reach out to me and said you know nice positive things about it and they said would you mind if we kind of try and do the same and I was I was all for it I've, I've got you know nothing against anyone giving it a go um, but I think we could almost as an industry just go 
let's put a marker in the diaries. We're all going to have a crack at making it popular and we're all going to go for the same date. I'll share my learnings because I have, mm. I have gone through the pain. Um, but it's it's well worth it. It's well worth it. And in terms of it, we actually took part, me and my wife, my mother-in-law took part on our driveway. My mum and dad took part on their driveway. And I, I had to kind of allow myself time to just go around some of the streets and just go and speak to the people. And they were so chuffed. They were so <laughs> chuffed. They they achieved some great things from it. They were talking to neighbours three doors down that they never say more than hello to. And it's just those little bits that I think will have a positive impact. You know, you, you get it when you have the Queen's Jubilee and they say you're having a street party. Make sure you attend. But with a big Worcester garage sale, it's just a bonus day, really, in, in the calendar, I think, this year. And we'll definitely do it again. Some people said, can we do it again this year? I think I'm going to say, no, we'll park it and we'll go again next year and we'll we'll, we'll go bigger and better. Yeah, I love it. I, love I, think, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you from um, the business side of things as well. Did you meet very many people who are having a garage sale to clear out with a view to selling the house? Yeah, Um uh, I, I've I've met a few people actually on the day who actually came to me for advice. They're just like, oh, as I'm with you, can you just tell me son's thinking of buying a property? How would he go about it? Which was which was fantastic. It was um, how do I say this? Like coming across big headed. It was almost like that celebrity double take. Double take when they saw me. They're like, are you the guy who organised it? Like, yeah. It, yeah, it was it was a bit. I, I shouldn't have said celebrity. That's going to probably haunt me now. But you know, is that kind of that double take of, I've said, oh, it's you, and, yeah. and so they, they came over, but. Um, there was one person and it's not worked in our favor, but they were, they were picked up in the Worcester evening news um, and Worcester evening news got behind us on the day. They, they sent out a Roman report. They went out Facebook live on it and they just, you know, backed us with it. Um, and they, they talked to and interviewed a person who was having a clear out because um, unfortunately they've had a loss in the family. So it's a, it's a house they need to empty. Basically everything's got to go. And they emptied everything out to the front and the whole lot was going to be sold. Unfortunately, it's not an instruction we're getting, but <laughs> it was one of those things that they've obviously had us out to value it. We plugged it. And so, you know, if the agent doesn't do a good service to them, the cheap fee won't matter. They'll probably come back to us and go, yeah, you did help us from the outset. We probably should have gone with you and, and, and we're coming back. But um, yeah, it's, it, it was it, it was great. I, I found a lot of people just asking me for advice. And maybe that's kind of like, what I've got to do more of, I've got to get myself out there even more because just being around on Easter egg trails and stuff like that, people come over and just go, I'll just pick your brains for a second. I've got this going mm. on. And you know, that's, I like answering questions on the spot. It's kind of what I do in the business. It's what I can do out and about. I think that's, that's the benefit of community work, right? You, you're not doing it for uh, the reasons of getting business. You're doing it to play a part in your community. And a bit like what you said before, if you follow these activities and you follow our values, the results will come. It, it's mm. the same thinking with this right so this is a very value laden exercise certainly from the way you've spoken about right it's something we can do for the community we're going to provide a service we're going to help scale that message and, and give people an opportunity to know where and when they can go to these houses and see things and the flow and effect from that is everyone goes oh that guy you know with his factor 50 he, he does know about real estate <laughs> so i couldn't help myself um no, mate this has been a, a fascinating chat i want to ask you a very left field question to finish up uh, and it was just something that popped into my head uh, today. So Mark and I are forever talking about whatever's going on in the world and how we can relate that back to real estate or to a state agency. And we've never actually asked uh, anybody, uh, any of our guests to sort of have a crack at this sort of thing. But uh, I've sort of followed you for a little while. I know you're you're pretty sport mad. Um, so my question to you, um, and feel free to let it through the keeper if you want to, but is 
you love your sports. So, who, one, who's your favorite sports person? And two, why would they make a world class estate agent? That was good. <laughs> yeah, tough question, that Sam. Yeah, that is, yeah. Fill fill the gap, Mark. What's I'm thinking? Um, <laughs> is rugby going to be your favorite sport out of interest, Matt? Because what I've I've not said, which I was going to talk. I was going to say who your favorite rugby player is, but they'd all be a bit no neck to be good at real estate, I reckon. That's the thing. Wrong. I mean, my. Go on, Mark. Sorry. I was going to say nothing wrong with a rugby player and estate agent. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I think someone like. Neil Back, I mean, it shows my age a little bit, but as I was growing up as a as an open side flanker, Neil Neil Back was the one that I was kind of um, watching and wanting to emulate. And I've actually met and spoke to him since because he's got a, a print business and he was involved with some signage for one of our new build sites, which was ironic, really. But um, but but Neil Back, and now how can I, now can how can I kind of bring that back to why he'd make a great estate agent? Um, he'd do what it took to get the result, and. There's a there's a clip on YouTube you'll find where there was a a scrum, scrum half is about to feed the ball in. That's it. Mark's just no one's going to see that, but Mark's just actually on, on camera to us, just showing showing the move that Neil Back did. But as the scrum half was about to put the ball in, feed into his side, um, and the ref was looking in a different direction, Neil Back actually flicked it back to his own hooker, which allowed him to get the ball back to his number eight. And I don't know if they went on to score from it, but it was certainly a a cheeky tactic which um, which had the right result i think um i think he had the grit and determination in tough markets we need grit and determination i think it is it is a challenge now um i'm not saying everyone would want to go back to the market that was so frantic when we had um pandemics and i know it's still around but you know the the lockdowns a bit to pieces and all the all the positive results we felt off the back of that but this this for me is my favorite market this this time when we've really got to step up for our clients um i've worked as sam said since 2004 so I learned as a junior negotiator up to becoming a branch manager in 2007. So I worked as a branch manager with people kind of and a responsibility to those people around the age of 25. I was having to kind of really get the results for my team. And and I, and I think that when the chips are down, I kind of come up and start swinging. That's when I kind of enjoy it. So, yeah, lockdowns put most of the staff working from home, didn't furlough everyone got them all set up with Zoom, got them all set up with morning meetings and bits and pieces, training sessions and everything was going on. Um, and I and I, I think I kind of thrive in these challenges. I think the the market we've been through made it easy for a lot of people to sell houses. And, and this now is a challenge where mm. we've got to work very hard for our client. Even at the risk of upsetting someone, you've got to give them your honest opinion. And if they don't want to hear it now, that's fine, but support them and just keep chipping away at giving the best best advice because there will be a moment they'll go, look, I didn't want to hear it at the time and I do appreciate that you stuck with me and we're now moved on. Um, it is going to be hard for people. You know, there's a lot of pressure going on with a lot of people's incomes at the moment. So I think if, if, if you as a business leader, if you as an employer, I think you as the agent that's chosen to put your business out there for anyone who wants to use you, I think you've got to deliver now and work hard for your clients. Yeah, I agree 100%. This this market, you know, makes the estate agent. I think you're right, Neil Back. And, and I just want to add a little bit on that as well, because Neil Back, of course, was what five foot eight, five foot nine in a world where all of these physical beasts were coming. So I think he would make a great estate agent because he overachieved what, what people expected him to. And I think as you're going out as an agent, if you're over promising, you're not you're not delivering. Neil Back was very much under the radar and, and did a fantastic job. I think that's a great analogy. 
Thank remember that question me. moving forward. <laughs> on the spot, on the spot with that. Yeah, yeah the next good. person you're going to interview will be like, right, I'm going to prepare for this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Well, Matt, uh, I, I think that's going to be the best answer that we get if it comes off the cuff because uh, you explained it uh, exceptionally well. Uh, and having no idea who Neil Back was, but having Googled him while you guys were having that bit of a love in, uh, he seems a bit Phil Warlike, and I can relate to that. So that's a good thing. Uh, Matt, he I played, it, played in that 2003 final, Sam, by the way. Yeah, he did, yeah. Couldn't tell you what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he's successful as well. So he's successful. He's dedicated, influential. I'd say. Overachiever. Um, did we win the cricket world cup in 2003? I think we did. Anyway, one nil <laughs> in the ashes too. How good's that? Wrong uh, anyway, let's not ruin a good conversation by getting too deep into uh, the inter Commonwealth sporting lexicon or discourse or whatever you want to call it. Matt, I just want to say thank you from everybody listening. Um, that was a really good conversation. Um, and you certainly hit the brief when we were talking about giving some value that people can go and do straight away. And it's really, really clear to see that you would have seen the two of us just nodding along and, and umming and ahhing at certain points that the practice that you're doing daily, uh, the support that you give your team, the probably leadership opportunities that they see off the back of that as well, to let them go out and learn these principles and apply them, um, just sets your business up to be world-class. Uh, so, um, if, if everyone's listening to this, just push stop, go back 20 minutes and start again, because I think it was a really foundational episode where you can take a lot from it. Um, and I'm really looking forward to supporting the great big British garage sale uh, summer 2024. How good that's going to be. So Matt, thank you again. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on. A massive thank you once again to Matt Nickel from Nickel & Co for joining us today. Loads of key takeaways. As ever, we tasked him with the one tip that people can implement at no cost within their business. He did that very early on and then numerous uh, key takeaways. But one thing I didn't talk about on the actual interview was my experience when I went to his local rugby club on Kids Rugby Tour um, earlier this year. So... My son is eight, plays for the local rugby uh, club, and we were going on tour, and we were going to Worcester Rugby Club. And I must admit, at this point, I know Matt's into his rugby, but I don't know him um, personally before today. So I didn't know what his rugby club was, was. But we arrived at Worcester Rugby Club, which is a big rugby club, and there are a lot of children and parents here. By a lot, I mean, like, it's a rugby festival, hundreds and hundreds of, of people. And he's got in each pitch his name well his company name marking out all of the all of the pitches and i just texted him when i was there and said oh i must be at your your local rugby club i can see your sponsorship everywhere you know every credit um and he was there as well with his kids we didn't get to chat because there was too much going on um with with the kids rugby but my point with that was i took one step into his area and his brand name was there in mm. up in lights in a in a very big very public place but not only was his brand name there he was also there helping out with the kids and having an, an impact and i think what he was talking about with big worcestershire garage sale and hit all of his community work was exactly what i saw by just spending a couple of hours it was a coincidence because that was you know where where he was that day but i think that's a real lesson for anyone who wants to do the community it's not just do things because you think it's the right thing to do but actually that you want to do it and that you're actively involved in it and you know every credit you see 
a lot of news about Matt and stuff that we see um, within the industry about his community work and and every credit because I think you know he does a lot of you know really really good work for his local community and he talked a little bit off air about about that and the impact that that's having you know, being very very positive. Mm. And I think um, if we stick on the community thread for a second, a lot of real estate agents when they think community will think of what have they got to spend, mm. um, not how much time can they spend. And Matt's a really good example of he's been spending time in his community for 20 years and it's paying off. One of the conversations that we had uh, just before we started recording this with Matt was there's going to be people listening to this show that are scribbling down notes and they're going, okay, I'm going to go and implement all that. Mm -hmm. And in a year's time, they'll have seen success, but probably not at his level. And they'll think, why aren't I getting that? And and the real secret, it's a bit like the uh, difference in listenership to this show now that we're coming up to four years when we came up to our first year, right? Yeah. We were just talking to our mates in the first yeah. 12 months. Um, now there's our mates and a couple other people, which is nice. Um, he's been consistent in his community for a very long time. Um, and that's not to say that he hasn't spent any, any money, but he's been showing up mm. time and time and time again and giving his time before he gives his sponsorship, if that makes sense. And that is the real fundamental lesson to take away from thinking about um, community work as an estate agent. Um, the the other point that I think really stood out to me, uh, and there was a lot. I, I generally think that that was a really high level, practical leadership based conversation that any business owner can learn from, but that any office manager can learn from. And then there's some stuff in there for a neg to take away and implement yeah. with their buyers and sellers today as well. Yeah, agreed. But when we're talking about Dedicated people, influential people, and successful people, right? Being memorable for the right reasons, being a value-laden organization. Um, those things all sound pretty cliche, but when you tie them together, it becomes a super powerful group of people that are all pulling or rowing or whatever you want to say in the same direction. And it's not just the business that feeds off that. It's the clients that feed off that as well. I, I, I would love to see some analysis on the results that Nickel & Co. get compared to their competitors mm. outside of stock levels. But I bet you they sell their houses for more money and I bet you they sell them sooner than mm. others as well because they're dedicated, because they're influential and they're not uh, afraid to have those crucial or those courageous conversations with people and tell them what they need to know to help them move forward with their lives, as Matt was saying, is world-class. And because of that, they become successful. Now, I just That was one of the first things that I wrote down from that conversation. It's the thing I keep coming back to time and time again. It just makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, my my final point on this, there was loads loads of really good information, as you say, for various different people with, within a business. But one of the things that I you asked him for an influential question: if not now, then when? I think at the moment, mm. I think that is so powerful. And obviously, he is um, providing his team with really relevant contact with content at important times of his daily videos but actually that is perfect for this market at the moment if not now then when i just think and then you know go go from there i think it's really 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 important one of very many fabulous takeaways for me in that episode even on that point i'm just i'm just now thinking out loud again uh, which i'm making a habit of doing week <laughs> in week out on this show but imagine you go to all the sellers who are sitting on their fence and you say to them, since the interest rate rise, we've had a conversation with 100 buyers who are looking to find houses like you and like yours. And 20 of them, we asked them the question, if not now, when? You know, rates may only go up. Uh, whether prices come down or not is, is not subjective. Your affordability, it, it will get worse. Mm -hmm. So you need to get in now while you can. 
And, you know, we asked 100 people this and 20 of them came back saying they want to buy in the next three months. So if you're thinking about selling, we have 20 people who will be in a position to compete for your property, regardless of what the bank has done, raising interest rates, regardless of inflation, et cetera. You know, when can we bring these people through? When can we come and have a conversation with you about if not now, when? And actually leverage that activity in your marketing to show people that you are being influential, that you are having those courageous conversations, that you are doing your job effectively, even though you don't have the instruction yet, you were doing your job. So it makes it really easy for people to say yes to you. Yeah, absolutely. A fabulous episode. Um, so once again, massive thank you to, to Matt for joining us. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it improve and get better. If you have enjoyed um, today's episode, please share it with colleagues and out on social media, reach out to either Sam, myself, or indeed Matt to let us know your key takeaways. I'm Matt Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you again for episode 199.